welcome everyone. I'm so excited to have you all here. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Women's Takeover of Muddied Waters Media. So tonight's episode is going to be brought to you by this Bang Energy Drink that I have handy here. It is cotton candy flavored, and I would make very in many inappropriate comments about it if it would not anger superfan Matt Wright. He would not be very happy with me. And tonight's episode is also brought to you by the fabulous coffee inside this mug sponsored by not top fan Jason. I also would like to mention that my beard sponsor is the lovely Cajun Libertarian, as well as all of the lovely beard products that I have right over here. There's too many to mention. They're all amazing. So we'll move on. It's a little high maintenance there, Jason. <laughs> Y'all, and this keeps falling off. So tonight we are also trying to help a family. So when a child custody battle makes it to trial, it's never easy on anyone involved. But most of all, it's heartbreaking on the child, especially when that child is already in a happy home. In a lot of states, this process is required to go through tedious and grueling steps, which necessitates an abundance of work from the parents and their legal team. There's a family in this exact situation after spending more than $30,000 over the last couple of years on legal representatives, court fees, and other associated costs, they are preparing to go to trial. In preparation, the legal team needs $25,000 as a retainer for the trial, which will cover the legal and court fees through the trial. This is one final process, The family will, and the family will remain whole. They are asking for our help. This is a family that we all love very, very dearly, and they're staying anonymous right now for legal reasons and safety. But if you can, please take a minute to go ahead over there and donate anything, even if it's only five bucks, if it's 10, if you're able to do more, it is certainly greatly appreciated. And once it is safe, they will let you guys know who they are. But I wanted to say too, this is also brought to you by Fierce Luxury by Ashley. Fierce Luxury is a high-end bag and accessory consignment store based online. They carry the hottest brands like Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Gucci, and Hermes. Yes, baby, Matt, it's Hermes. Um, <laughs> consign with them for a 30% fee, which is actually 20% less than other consignment stores. And you can find them online at FierceLuxuryByAshley.com and in their exclusive Facebook group that is also called Fierce Luxury by Ashley. And on top of that, to piggyback on the GoFundMe, Ashley has also let us know that any purchases from her between now and August 1st, she's going to donate an additional $40 to the GoFundMe. That's fantastic. And actually, I'm going to put the link to the GoFundMe in the chat. That way, everyone has Perfect. that link. And while you guys are um, looking into that, too, I wanted to say after we get done with our guests that we're about to bring on here in a minute, we're going to do a comment section Q&A just for a couple minutes to wrap up. So go ahead and start thinking of some questions that you would like to ask us, whether that is libertarian related or what it is like dealing with our significant others. Yes. And Sarah, before I take off this beard, um, I just want to mention that because we're awesome women, we started this show on time. Yes. Eight o'clock actually meant eight o'clock, you guys. I'm sure you're probably tuning in a little bit late, maybe even because this is what you were expecting was it to start late oh my gosh the comment section is very very happy and yes yeah. matt this is why i wanted you to go to lip tide by yourself and brian <laughs> says who could have possibly predicted this i have no idea but 
Without further ado, we will go ahead and introduce the guests that we are going to have on. Let's see here, let me go ahead and get it ready. And Kelsey, who do we have on today? So today we have Lenny Jarrett. He's the former director of the Center for Education Opportunities at the Heartland Institute. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> He's also the former managing editor of Champion News, an Illinois-based news website focused on reporting on educational and Illinois politics. And he was the managing editor of Education Matters, which researched education in local school districts across the whole state of Illinois. Yes, so Jarrett has presented analysis on Common Core and education choice on Fox News, Breitbart, ABC Chicago, and multiple radio outlets and newspapers across the United States. He has also been a presenter on panels discussing education choice, Common Core, homeschooling, and Illinois freedom of information laws with groups such as American Majority, Americans for Prosperity, Illinois Tea Party groups, homeschool conventions, and state legislative hearings. So without further ado, we will go ahead and bring him on up here. Let's see. Hello, glad to be All on. Right. This, is, this is gonna be fun. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate you being part of our shenanigans. <laughs> oh, I'm happy to be on. This will be a lot of fun. Yes. All right, so Lenny, I'm gonna jump right into our first question. So okay. what is the Heartland Institute? Can you explain that for us? Well, it is a think tank that's a not-for-profit that works with legislators around the country to try to get them to pass more school school choice legislation and stuff. And I think Brian or someone forgot to give you my updated bio. I actually now work for Ace Scholarships out of Denver, Colorado. And what they do is provide low-income students scholarships to be able to go to a, a private school of their choice. And they do it across eight different states across the Midwest and the South down into Texas and stuff. So um, I'm actually in a, in a place now that's actually doing school choice instead of trying to get school choice passed, which is a lot more fun. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. That's actually what we we're going to ask you is what is it that you are doing now? And then school choice is something that we are both very passionate about. We both are parents to multiple lovely tiny humans. So I know, you know, the idea of school choice is something that we're both trying to get to be heard in our local areas. Good. That's good. Because the more people need to know about school choice and how it helps children. And that's one thing I've been able to do at, at ACE is research more of this. And offhand, I can tell you right now, if you can get a child to graduate, it saves society almost $1.2 million. So they're no longer on social services. There's less, less kids going to jail. So it really helps with their earnings and just gets them out of poverty. So school choice is actually a good right way to end poverty. It's kind of school choice is actually social justice. I would have actually never thought about it that way, but that's amazing. And I know something that we were thinking of is what are the pros and the cons of school choice? Well, there's several different avenues of school choice. Most people understand what a voucher is. It's kind of a certificate the parent gets, and then they can go choose the school of their choice. And then the school gets that certificate and the state pays for that child. There are better alternatives out there as anyway. 
I prefer tax credit scholarships really funding an education savings account. So you can see there's lots of terms going around, but uh, education savings account is where the state puts money into an account for the child. The parent then has a debit card that they can spend on approved expenses for that child. It may be school tuition. It may be some athletic classes. They, say they have choice of the classes they take. It works great for kids with special needs because there's a lot of cases, a lot of schools actually that specialize in this. You can do horse therapy actually for cerebral palsy is actually a really good thing. It calms the children down so that then they can go back and study and relax and stuff a lot better. So there's lots of different avenues and a tax credit scholarship is where a donor gives to a scholarship granting organization for as that's actually what ACE is, is a scholarship granting organization. That donor then gets a tax credit from the state for that donation. So, and the, the best part about tax credit scholarships is harder for the government to actually regulate because it's a donation. So it makes it a lot easier for parents to find the school they want, the curriculum they want, without getting all the restrictions they would get with, say, a voucher. And then an ESA is, can be a little bit more regulated. But tax credit scholarships are kind of the most free market avenue for school choice. I love that. And I mean, right now, I mean, basically, many states don't have school choice. It's just what zip code you're in. So pretty much. I mean, and that that's how it is I mean, here, too. Yeah. And every kid learns differently. You know, yep. some kids are more hands on. Some kids can sit down and read a book and, you know, they can pay attention to that. But other children, I mean, they need to work with their hands and they need to really get in there to learn things. So, yep, they do. Well, the one great thing, actually, one of the good outcomes from this year from the pandemic is that the states actually saw what was happening with all these kids having to learn remotely and the parents outcry for like, we need choices. So this year alone, 18 states have passed or expanded their school choice programs. Seven new states have created new programs and 21 expanded their current policies. So we really are finally getting to where more than half the states in the country have some type of school choice program besides the public schools, which is really, really great. I mean, West Virginia this year went from almost virtually nothing to a almost a full-blown education savings account program. Kentucky passed a tax credit scholarship ESA, so did Missouri. So it's really, really starting to expand rapidly, and we need to take more advantage of that. So That's incredible. So how is... As far as parents here, because that is something I very much wish we had more of an option in here in Florida, where I live in St. Pete, we are very fortunate in that my son's elementary school is right behind us. Like it's, it's walking distance within not even a quarter of a mile. And we're fortunate that the zip code we were in just happens to be a very good school. But I've noticed, especially here in St. Pete, there's an elementary school on every corner almost, but it's very specific to certain neighborhoods. So even though, you know, there's some people who live three streets over from me. So even though they're very close to the same elementary school my kids go to, they're being forced to go to this other school that is just not, you know, I hate saying anything negative about other schools, right. but it's not a very good school. It's not known, you know, teacher-wise, staff-wise, faculty-wise. So... 
how, what is something that parents, everyday parents are able to do to help make this actually happen? They have to start talking to their legislators and vote that way and tell them they're going to vote that way. For Florida, that you need to look into, they, ju- they just expanded their education savings account program. So you may actually, or your parents around you may actually be eligible for their education savings program now in Florida. And Florida has actually the largest tax credit scholarship program in the entire country. There are over 100,000 kids in their scholarship program now, and they are, uh, I think a lot of it was for special needs, but that's expanded over time as well now. So actually, Florida is one of the top states right now for school choice. Oh, wow. That's incredible. I'm going to have to look into that because it's a very common thing I hear going to soccer games and things like that. You hear a lot of the parents being very frustrated talking about it. Um, What is the biggest argument that you get when trying to advocate for school choice? Uh, well, the teachers union love to come out against school choice. They first they call it a voucher because most people have a negative. They've been able to make voucher a negative word. Um, but tax credit scholarships and ESA are not vouchers. They operate completely differently. But I think the biggest thing they want to say is you're taking money from the public school classroom and giving it to kids that are going to to go to these private schools. So you're basically taking money from all kids and giving it to rich kids. The thing about most school choice programs is they actually work only for kids that get free and reduced lunch. Not every state. Every state has a different threshold, but the majority of the states is based on free and reduced lunch. So 185% of poverty is the max in most states that a kid's actually eligible for their school choice program. So it's the exact opposite of what the teachers union try to say. And plus, this is where with tax credit scholarship programs, that that's why they're so good is because it's private money. Donors are giving this money to a scholarship granting organization. So it's not money coming from the state. Vouchers and most ESA programs actually do come from the state. But for when you're talking about ESAs and vouchers, both, almost all studies say it, they do not have a negative impact on funding in the public school. In fact, it actually saves the state money so they can put more money into the public schools. I believe there's only one study that was neutral on that. Everything else showed a positive, positive gain for public schools. Actually, it was kind of funny. A couple of years ago, I was in Tennessee uh, talking about their school, trying to advocate for their school choice program. And I went through the math of how when a student leaves public school, the state was going to still give that school money, even though the kids didn't go there. So I was able to show how the per pupil's classrooms expenditure would go up for all the students that were leaving. And I had one of the state senators finally concede the fact he's like, okay, your math is technically correct, but should we base public policy on math? I'm like, I was, I, I had to hold my tongue not to start laughing at him, but. Let's see in the comments. I see Jason. Yeah. Jason said in some cases, public schools make money when kids use ESA or TCS to go to other schools. He also said South Carolina had a great opportunity going into COVID and dropped the ball entirely. Yeah. I believe their ESA program. I've passed one of the chambers, but didn't pass the other one. Um, I'd have to go back and look right offhand, but I think that's what happened in South Carolina. Gotcha. Let's see here. Let's I believe see. South Carolina had a competing bill the last time I saw it. And so they were trying to like figure it out. It's like some legislators go for this bill, some go for this bill and trying to like hammer out which one actually works better. 
Yeah, they try to do that, and most of those, most of the time, when they do that, it's to make sure nothing passes. I mean, that's what legislators do, unfortunately. Yeah. So then, you know, with the whole concept of if at the end of the day, this can also help the schools make money when kids use the ESA and TCS to go to other schools, that then can be funded into, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, things such as more resources for the classrooms, which is a big thing that's complained a lot in public schools is textbooks for everybody alone. A lot of schools don't have textbooks for everybody, laptops, computers, even just headphones, things like that. Yeah, they talk about that. Most of those things are myths or it's the money that's coming to the schools is getting redirected into the administration side rather than into the classroom. That happens in a lot. That's kind of how I got started was kind of researching school district spending and how they were spending money more for the administrative side and their building projects instead of getting the money directly into the classroom. And they'd have so much surplus. Uh, My school district that I started researching in here in Illinois did not have an inventory of any of their hardware throughout the entire district. And it eight years after I started asking for that every single year, they finally created an inventory so they knew what they had. I mean, they have laptops and stuff just completely disappear. They'd have no idea because they didn't have an inventory of any of it. Wow. It makes you wonder how many other schools are doing that exact same thing. The majority of them. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like ESA unfortunately. Is yeah, there's no accountability to the, for the public school. There really isn't. And that's why school choice is so great, because you actually have accountability, because the parents have the choice. They can remove that kid if the school's not doing well. For instance, in Arizona, they have a charter school program that did a 10-year authorization. The parents, actually, of bad schools would remove their kids so fast that the schools would end up shutting down before the state ever got back to the point of actually trying to reauthorize or not reauthorize the school. So the parents are actually can hold a private school or even a charter school a lot more accountable than any of us will ever do in a public school. Yeah. It looks like we have a comment from Tim that says, so what about legislated curriculum? If lawmakers choose what must be taught, doesn't that just turn private schools into nicer public schools? It can if you're using vouchers where they where they try to do a lot of that. Typically, they don't, even with the legislators when they do a voucher program, don't legislate the actual curriculum. They legislate these are what you kind of should teach, but we're not going to tell you how to teach it or in what sequence you have to teach it. So the private schools still have some freedom. But that's why I advocate more for tax credit scholarships or even ESAs because you can then pick and choose and you can get away. The government can't regulate it down to that curriculum level because they've got so much other stuff to deal with. There's no way they could ever, ever do that. any legislation that would mandate a standardized curriculum across even private schools. Right. Okay. So it yeah, almost I know incentivizes those institutions and the teachers to, hey, we need to you know, make sure our curriculums are great, our programs are run well, we're accountable for all transactions, et cetera. Yep. Yeah. And actually studies prove there, uh, I think it's 30, 33 studies have looked at the schools themselves and how school choice in that state improves the public schools and all of them. But two, actually, the public schools in those areas actually improved as well because then they had competition. They were forced to actually improve. 
Let's see the comments here. Jason says, this is also why it's important to actually read a bill rather than support it just because it says ESA or tax credit scholarship. Yes. And then we have Liberty Shamrocker in the comments saying school choice would go such a long way in eliminating the incentives to diagnosing children with disabilities that they don't actually have. Yeah, absolutely, because schools get more money if they diagnose a child with any type of learning different learning differences, then they get more money from the state on that. I know kids that got able to go into kindergarten early because they were diagnosed with shyness. That was their disability. So the school then got almost twice as much money here in Illinois. We went like from 4500 to almost $8,000. And so you'd see disability rates in these schools of almost 20% which the general population is, I believe, under 10% or at least closer to 10%. It's not at 20%. That is insane. So the fact that they can diagnose a child as shyness as a disability alone blows my mind. But the fact that some schools even had 20%, yep. that's almost like how some... And it's how some not one school it. district that does that. There's multiple school districts that do that. And multiple ones in my area that were over 20%. That's crazy. That's and bizarre. See- And actually, so I was told at my daughter's um, elementary school that talented and gifted, because she was in the talented and gifted program, that that was a learning disability. Yes, it counts for an individual education plan or an IEP. And so when they do that, they can actually get more money for that. The problem is they don't really help those talented and gifted kids in a lot of districts. They just kind of, because... It's hard to separate those kids from the others, and they want them all in the same classroom. So it literally is teach to the middle. You slow the talented and gifted kids down while you're trying to speed up those that are underneath. And this I didn't realize till later. I was kind of one of those kids that was very accelerated. I went to a private school um, through it was yeah through fourth grade. Then I switched over to public school. My fifth and sixth grade year in public school, I did absolutely nothing. Cause I already knew the material. I just sat there, did absolutely nothing. And I didn't ever, I didn't get challenged again until I was a um, sophomore in high school. That's when I finally got challenged. I had a teacher that recognized what I could do. So he started challenging me to do that. And I ended up skipping my senior year of high school and going to our local junior college because I could, but the local high school tried to prevent me from doing it because they would not send the local college, my um, transcripts. So I ended up wow. sitting I ended up going to the high school, sitting there about four hours until the counselor finally brought me the transcript scripts that I could take over to the college to finalize everything I needed to finalize to escape that final year of of high school because they were going to lose money. If I wasn't there, I was they the public schools basically treat every kid as a funding unit. That's all they are. They're funding units. How much money can I get for this kid and how do we do this? And that's that's their whole that's their whole mantra. And they, they get funding for them, but then that funding doesn't go to the kid. It just goes to administrative costs and everything else. And yep. the kids have to get their own textbooks at the end of the day. The teachers are making Amazon wish lists and GoFundMes to get stuff for their classrooms so the kids don't have to provide them. Yep, exactly. Exactly. But the school district got plenty of money. I mean, look at some of these school districts. Uh, the school district I was in spends about... Fourteen or fifteen thousand dollars per child. Illinois averages about twelve thousand over the entire state. Chicago is public schools is about twenty three thousand a year, I believe, per student. 
Washington, D.C. is over $30,000 a year. And look at how bad Washington, D.C. schools are. It's it's not about the money. And if you ever ask a superintendent how much money would it take to educate a child, the answer is always more. It's never a specific number. I've only had one administrator give me an actual number. But he's like, well, we still need more after that. But you know, that this number will this would get us there. And his number was about 23,000. And he was in Chicago Public Schools. He worked as an assistant to Arnie Duncan who you've probably heard of, who was the education secretary under Barack Obama. Wow. It's so unfortunate because obviously in an ideal world, teaching children would not be about the money. It would be about genuinely caring for the children and having an empathy and working with each kid individually. Because like you said, and I've seen a lot in the comments too, there's a lot of people who have been held back or were always felt very behind in school or were very accelerated And that's one of my favorite things about the school choice is even I had the same kind of similar issues where I was a very advanced student. And when I was going to high school, I had straight A's in elementary school, middle school. But as soon as I got to high school, because I was in an area that a lot of the time the kids were more either middle or needed a little extra help with a lot of stuff, which there's nothing wrong with. I wasn't able to have access to the advanced classes. They didn't want to put me in them, even though I qualified for them. And some of my teachers even advocated for me to our school's administration. They wouldn't put me in those because of the area that we were in. And even for my kids, there's times I volunteered in their classrooms, both in preschool and elementary school. And you can see which kids. And it's so it's heartbreaking to see a five year old or a six year old be so frustrated and that they're struggling and having a difficult time learning something when they could be in a classroom that's more geared to the whole classes around the same level where the teachers can give more specialized attention. It's it's insane that it's even a discussion that this isn't how things are already ran. Oh, exactly. There is no reason we don't just fund the children and stop funding these stupid bureaucracies of the, of the school systems. We should be funding every child individually wherever they choose to go to school. And when you, when, it's brought up that the money just goes mostly to the administration. Does that, just out of curiosity, does that go to, I know you mentioned buildings and things like that, but does that at all go to the administrator's salary? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, administrators, um, the number of administrators have, is, have increased by like 700% since I believe it was 1992, where the, uh, school, the school population, the kids have increased about 100%. And teachers have only increased a little over 200%. That's where you get into one of these other myths about teachers being underpaid. That's only true for beginning teachers. Once you've been there a long time, you make great money. I know um, teachers, coach, high school coaches and art teachers and stuff, which they're val- those are valuable skills, but they're making 120, 130,000 and the English and math teachers are making 40 or 50 if they're new teachers or even if they're not, they're, you know, maybe making 70 or 80. It's kind of ridiculous where the money goes. It's all based on longevity, not about the skills that teacher is teaching or what, how, how, what their knowledge is and what their level is. We, our school system is completely based on the wrong thing. It's based on seat time, how many hours this kid is sitting in the classroom, and it's not based on subject matter mastery which is really what education should be based off of for every child. Yes. And the amount of like standardized testing that they put the kids through in order to measure those supposed metrics is obnoxious. 
Yes. Well, most standardized tests are really aimed at kind of getting information for legislators. Because when you take standardized tests in like February or March, typically for most years, the results don't come back till October or November. It doesn't help the kid that was in that grade because they've moved on to the next grade, regardless of what their test scores and their proficiency was. Those numbers really are for legislators to be comparing it. It's not for the teachers to be able to actually help the children while they're in the classroom. Let's see. Kenneth Ebel says, I only went through an eighth grade homeschool curriculum, then took my GED and passed with honors when I turned 16, then went to a trade school and became a master technician by the time that I was 19. That's great. Nalik says they they removed so many AP classes while I was in high school and replaced them with credit recovery classes. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about whenever you say all they care about is how many hours the kids spend in the classroom. Well, yeah, every every state for the most part has a number of hours. Illinois, a kid supposed to be educated for 770 hours during a school year. So actually, we homeschooled our two kids, and, and well, one of them went to public school. Then we put, put them both in private school, and then we homeschooled, basically starting from third grade on for my oldest. And we had to follow those guidelines of 770 hours per year. They didn't need 770 hours per year. I mean, if they were, if we were taught them correctly, they could do that in a much faster time. So it's, it's really, it's backwards from how we're doing it. We're, we're still using like an 18th century, century model here now. It's still today. Yeah. It's crazy because it's, you know, they always hear the comparison of how many hours kids are in school is basically a full-time job. And then when you think about how, the, the way that funding is actually working out with those public schools, it's literally like those kids' job is to go to school and the school is making money off of it just as if they were working at McDonald's as a 16-year-old. And that's absolutely heartbreaking. But thankfully with school choice, I think it would help out a lot too for the parents who, for example, myself, I moved from California to Florida right before the pandemic. My timing was absolutely awful. I figured if we move during spring break, It'll be fine and we'll have an easy transition over. Well, as soon as I got to Florida, that's when everything shut down. And I was like, oh, no, I can't enroll my son in his second (laughs) semester of kindergarten. So my only option was because I couldn't even enroll to do the remote classes from the school, which, side note, I'm very happy that I didn't do just because they were still required to be on a computer for the same amount of time that they would be in a classroom. And that blows my mind one because of blue light alone, because I'm very nerdy when it comes to that. But we did Florida virtual school, which I will say Florida virtual school. I give it a lot of credit. It has very in-depth curriculum. It's much more advanced than the public school was, but learning virtually like that did not work for my son. My son loves learning. He's very, he loves school so much. He'll bring a homework packet home that's not due till Friday and nail it out on Monday, does math for fun. So school (laughs) choice would be great because it would give him better solutions to a school that could challenge him. And it's funny because Kelsey and I were talking about this the other day. We've had completely different experiences education wise through the pandemic because homeschooling did not work for me whatsoever, but it did for Kelsey. It did. Yeah. Every child is different. That's, that's the thing. Every child is different in how they learn and what they need to do. And actually we did a study of our a survey of our schools. And one thing we found out was the lower the grade level, the harder it was to actually do remote learning. 
That's why this year, 96% of our, of our schools that we work with went back to either public uh, in-person learning or a hybrid where they were in-person part of the day and at home or part of the week and kind of reverse back and forth. So they've really changed. And then you have the teachers unions trying to keep the public schools completely closed and we're successful at in most urban districts. Yeah. And see with, uh, with the virtual schooling for us, it actually was kind of an eye opener. Um, so we would send, you know, our child to school and, you know, she got straight A's and, you know, we didn't think anything of it. And then, um, I would watch her learn and I would realize like, okay, she learns in a different way. She learns because she's hands-on. And so at first it was a struggle Um, but then we were able to actually work with her teachers. Her teachers were great. And I was like, look, she doesn't learn by sitting in front of this computer. So I'm taking her to the zoo today and we're going to (laughs) talk about the animal cycle. And then I'm going to send you guys a video of her like next to the lions and you know, it's going to be fine. And her teacher said it was fine. So like we had that and we were lucky with that. Um, but I, I almost wish that schools operated more schools operated in that way. And I had the choice to send my child to a school like that, to where they are going to get that hands-on learning. Yep. Yeah. More kids need that. I need that opportunity. Both of my kids were different. One of them actually liked to be, have an instructor. Um, so we ended up doing video curriculum, but my second one, all, all they want to do is read. They could read it and know it. And that's, that's kind of how they learned. So they both had their own different learning style. Just two kids in the same family. Wow. Yeah. Well, it looks like we are just over time, which breaks my heart a little bit because I feel like Kelsey and I could honestly talk to you forever. But hopefully, hopefully this just means that we will get to talk to you again on the same platform. Hint, hint. For everyone yeah. watching. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can sit here and talk all night, too, about school choice. So, <laughs> Well, before we let you go, Lenny, is there anything that you wanted to let everybody watching at home know, where to learn more about you and what you do and what you're advocating for? Yeah, well, I'm at, um, I am actually have Universal Education Choice on Facebook is the page I kind of maintain for stuff there. And I think I saw Brian actually put my Twitter handle in the chat there. But my current work, if you go to ascholarships.org, you can actually find some of the stuff there, you know, the company I work for. And if anybody's interested in actually donating and actually helping a child, it te- we give about most our average donation that we give to a student scholarship is about $2,500. And something we've learned over the years is by year four, actually those students have really, they become more comfortable in their school. They become comfortable in the amount of homework they get. We have a 98% graduation rate. And not only that, it helps the families. We have found that 48% of our families actually go back to school and finish their college degree or a certificate for some type of technical education to increase their own work work and study. They stay in their home uh, 229% longer, kind of after year four. And their employment stability increases by almost 300%. So not only does school choice help the students, it actually helps the entire family and kind of changes the trajectory of their lives. And see, that's what people need to hear. Like people need to hear all those statistics and all of that and not just go, oh, it's a voucher and all those negative connotations. Like these are the things legislators actually need to hear. 
Yep. When we we try to tell them that all the time, I keep trying to talk to them. Stop talking about test scores. I mean, yes, test scores are important to a certain extent, but school choice is more about how it's actually affecting that kid and the family rather that they're more than just a test score. And I kind of do that in a lot of presentations and stuff. Um, I'll put my email actually in the chat, too. If somebody wants to email me and ask more questions and stuff, I will definitely drop that in the chat here as well here in a couple of minutes. Yeah, please do, because I think this was even eye-opening for me. I never thought about it from the perspective that you've been telling us, and it sounds like it helps the child, it helps their family, which in turn is also going to help their entire community and economy as a whole, which this is a little side comment, but it sounds like if it's encouraging all of the families to be able to better improve their own personal lives, then maybe, maybe, just maybe, this is very libertarian of me, but maybe there's no need to raise minimum wage to $16 an hour, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's all, yeah, that's a whole other conversation, but yeah, it's, there's lots of stuff going on, but yeah, biggest thing, you want to end poverty, pass school choice everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Lenny. Definitely drop all of your information in the comments and we definitely look forward to hopefully being able to talk with you again soon. I'd love to be back on again. Thank you guys. It was great. Yay. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Right. Bye. Bye. So it's funny. Um, it's amazing what the private sector can do. I am blown away by everything because I thought I knew a pretty good amount about school choice, but apparently I did not, which I think, you know, I was telling Matt that if and when we happen to do this show, surprise, we're doing it. Hi. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> that it would be really great to do it from an educational standpoint, whether we are talking about education or not, just helping educate us as yeah. individuals, but also everybody else who's watching. And this just also happened to be about education as a whole. And Lenny put his email in the comments, which is perfect. It's ljarrett at ascholarships.org. And then he also dropped the website ascholarships.org. But yeah, I had no idea that choice with schools could impact the entire community as much as it did, but it makes sense whenever you think about it broken down. Yeah. And, you know, I really liked how, you know, it's, it affects the family unit. Like it incentivizes families to go back to school and get involved and things like that. Like I really, really, really liked that. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess if you think about it, if you are able to find a school that is best suited for your child, whether they are very advanced or maybe they need a little bit of extra help or maybe they're right on target, just right in the median where they need to be, you are not going to have the excess stress of trying to advocate extra hard for either extra classes or the right classes. You're not going to have to worry about finding so many tutors and spending all of the money for finding tutors and pouring so much extra energy and worry into that because your child's going to be getting the kind of education that they actually deserve. And that works best for them, which will relieve stress on the parent and the family and motivate them to say, my kid is doing so much better, so I want to do better. Yes. And, you know, through COVID, you and I kind of talked about this a little bit the other day. Um, through COVID, you know, a lot of parents get shamed that, oh, well, if you don't like the way the virtual school is, you should just be home with your child and homeschool your child. Okay, well, there are a lot of us that work and that can't stay home with yeah. our kids. And, you know, I should be able to send them to an institution that is going to give them the best education possible and probably better than what I could homeschool them at, you know? 
Exactly. And it's funny because we briefly mentioned this earlier. Jason and Matt said, well, there goes my podcasting career. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, go donate to the Muddied Waters PayPal. Matt posted in the comments because I don't know what it is, but it'd be really funny if we could get more donations for this show for Muddied Waters than the guys do combined. So guys, go do that. Um, But also I'm going to volunteer this that a certain portion of would also go towards the GoFundMe that we talked about undisclosed amount because it's whatever they agree on, but I'm throwing that out there. Um, You know, we both have had very different experiences too. And we were talking about that whenever it came to the homeschooling aspect for my kids, it didn't work very well, but I know that you were saying for you guys, it, you guys kind of thrived being able to learn more that way. We really did. And, you know, I really learned that Caitlin, um, you know, the fact that sometimes she was bored in school because she was so advanced and things like that. And her teachers would just tell me, Oh, she's amazing. And all this other stuff. She is amazing. You're absolutely right. But that doesn't negate the fact that she's basically falling asleep because she understands it already. And she's frustrated. And so, you know, she's not going to come home and tell me that. But then when I saw her doing virtual school and, you know, we're trying to go through those umpteen slides of PowerPoints and all of those videos. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't do this. Like I'm bored and frustrated. Um, so then we kind of, you know, we partnered with the teacher and we were just like, can we do this in this way? Cause this is how she learns. And like I said, I mean, straight A's never miss a day of school. She was excited to get on her PowerPoints. Um, she hated social studies cause that one was like 7,000 pages long. And she's like, this is so boring. And me and Jason are like, oh my gosh, but it's so important. You're learning about the constitution. She's like, right. The constitution's boring. And I was like, let me tell you how the constitution. You is. don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Trust me. Oh, I'm certain. I feel like you guys would be ideal homeschool parents. I <laughs> don't, I truly don't have the patience and that is something that I in a perfect world I would love to be able to homeschool my kids but it is very very difficult for me to do and it is also very difficult for my kids they we all have very strong personalities and we butt heads very very easily when it comes to that and something I learned a long time ago was homeschooling doesn't even have to be just sitting down with you and a computer or textbooks and your kid like we were talking about the other day too when we were planning all of these shenanigans But there's a lot of co-ops that if you do want to start learning about your homeschooling options, if it's something that can potentially work time-wise and financially for your family, um, there's co-ops that you can go to where everyone in a community will meet up at one person's house to do a science project that's interactive with a bunch of other kids. And then maybe you do a social studies one where Jason and Kelsey teach you why the Constitution (laughs) is amazing. And why taxation is theft. I mean, right. Because it is. And also, teach about school choice and why sounds like is a very good argument as to why we might not need minimum wage. I'm just, I'm very heated about that one. So that'll be for another day. But that that came into my mind. Oh, that could be, you know, our very first podcast topic is minimum wage. Our first podcast topic. So, and something else um, COVID actually brought is, I know here in South Carolina, Um, A lot of museums, like the Children's Museum, the Science Museum, all of those, um, if you were virtual schooling your kid or homeschooling your kid, they would open the doors on a certain day for free. Um, And so you could actually bring your kid to go learn hands-on at all these different businesses. And so 
businesses were partnering with parents. And I think that's amazing too. How libertarian of them. I know. It made my heart. It's almost happy. like with who would build the roads. Oh, the roads. If, if they can partner with parents, imagine what else <laughs> businesses who have lots of money could also partner to do. Um, but no, again, this could be, that alone could be another topic. I like that mug, the uh, Mr. Merca. Imagine the shirts. Sponsored by Cajun Libertarian and his superior beard. Yes. Hold on. Where's my beard? Y'all. Okay. So a side note, this beard was $5 on Amazon and so worth it. <laughs> it came Love today it. and Kelsey had to intercept Jason to get <laughs> to the Amazon guy. Did you end up throwing it in your car like you thought you were going to have to do? No, I brought it inside and he was like, okay, so what is this? And I was like, oh, it's an Amazon package. It's for Kiara's birthday because my mom is actually going to wear it on Kiara's birthday. We're getting a double whammy out of this. So I did not lie. You are definitely getting your money's worth. And if you guys donate at least $6 to that GoFundMe, then it's already worth more monetarily than what it costs Kelsey to buy the beard for this show. So you should go do that. You should definitely go do that. I'm honestly still just so stuck thinking about how school choice helps impact the entire community because how you were explaining Caitlin gets bored because she was falling asleep and the teachers were getting frustrated. I think about all of the kids who get in trouble left and right at school. And they're, I mean, you can immediately think back to whenever you were in school. We all know the certain kids that would get in trouble for being Maybe they were too goofy of class clowns or maybe they were starting fights or whatever it might be. A lot of the time there's a reason. And instead of putting such harsh discipline, of course, discipline is important, but instead of just automatically shaming that kid for their behavior, taking a better look and trying to understand why, why are they acting out so much? Is there a correlation with their grades? What kind of a classroom are they in? Who's their teacher? What level are the peers around them? All of those kids have such a better chance at a future if they are able to go to a school that's better suited for them. And it just warms my heart so much knowing that it's such an incredible way to fix not just a household, but an entire block, an entire housing community, a city, the entire state. And, you know, this is something that I know I personally would like to try to get more involved with if possible. Me too, definitely. Wait a second. So you mean the government doesn't fix all of our problems, Sarah? No, I don't think they do. I see. It looks like a Mr. Matt Wright has, he's, he's sitting backstage. Should we, what do you think we should do? What um, should we do with him? Is he on like the Anchor FM call in line? Did he sponsor this event? <laughs> Super fan Matt Wright. Oh, should Matt we bring Wright. him up on stage and see what he might have to say? Yes. Come on on. It's fine. Matt. Hi. 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 Does this look familiar? I uh, I have to say, well done. Well done. Uh, you completely had me there. I did not know that this was going to be a thing. And uh, honestly, you did better than almost any of our hosts. And I'm very proud of both of you. Thank you. Well, thank you. And this is only on take one, so yeah. does this mean you would not be opposed to take two and three and four and fifty? Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk. 
All right, we'll and I just I just want to let you know, Matt. So Jason knew that a show was going to happen, and I had to have him watch Caitlyn tonight or bring Caitlyn to her event tonight. So he was very suspicious, and he knew that I've been having secret phone calls with Sarah. So I'm sure he put puzzle pieces together. But I feel like this is a better alternative. Yeah, Sarah told me have been for those secret phone calls. Yeah, Sarah told me that you guys were working on some like Liberty clothing line or something, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then I got the notification. Thanks for saying that one live. (laughs) And then I got the notification that Muddied Waters went live, and I was like, what is what is this? I would like to point out that we didn't have tech issues. Yes, and we started on time. You started three minutes late. According to my clock, we started on time. When we hit stream, it was 8 o'clock. Yeah. Sure. But no, seriously, you guys did fantastic. And I am truly proud of both of you. Thank you. And I, uh, yes, I honestly cannot tell you how proud I am of you. This was a great show. Thank you. I really appreciate that very much because we were both very, very, very nervous. (laughs) <laughs> and we were scared you were gonna like call us and be like shut this down you guys are ridiculous like i i had a fear. what are you doing yeah I'm like if i wanted to shut it down i could do it from the screen i'm on right now i could just go in but i but no i decided to give it a second to see how it was gonna go and honestly i i have zero notes like it was fantastic you guys did wonderful Thank you. Victory. So for the last few minutes, then, I know we said we were going to take some questions. If you guys thought of any or if you have any. I will let you get back to that. I just wanted to come and say that I'm very proud of both of you. And I love you, Sarah. Kelsey, you're great, too. But, you know. Thank you. But well done. And um, we might be able to talk about episode two. Yes. Sounds good. Thank you so much. I love you too. I love you. I love I'll you. I'll see you no, soon. To... Okay, baby. That was so sweet. Oh. Oh, Jason Spike said we killed too? it. Spike is here. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Which, by the way, we went live 10 minutes before he gave a speech at Freedom Fest, so I really hope we didn't stress him out more. Sorry, so. Spike, if we did. Jason's uh, question is invalid. <laughs> okay. He no, no, said, no, no, who no. has the best natural beard? So, okay, hold on, but I have this. So, I do because my beard oil that I put on it is from my friend Katie, who makes essential oils and beard oil, and it's all natural. So, therefore, because I put the natural beard oil on... The beard, I now have the best beard. Well done. I I like this loophole. Let's see, do we I have any have other questions? Have... Yeah, because Cajun and Jason are having it out in the comment section, so. That sounds about right. Although, I have seen Cajun's beard in person, and it does look pretty similar to the one that you bought. So, Jason, you might have some, uh, might have some competition there. 
<laughs> Matt, because he evolved past the need for one. That sounds about right. Oh All right, God. so I'll wait a couple more minutes for some questions from you guys, if there are any, whether they're libertarian related on any topic, it doesn't have to be education or not. <laughs> I didn't see the whole show, but when Kelsey started talking about the Constitution, tears of joy streamed down my face. Yes. Oh, Jason's dad is in the comments, and he said maybe Jason bought his beard, too. <laughs> uh, oh. Well, oh. this show just got ten times more entertaining than it already was. Right? Uh, Casey says, if you keep doing this, what topics would you want to cover in the future? Ooh. What are some things that you are very passionate about? Ooh. So parenting and education are actually some of my soapbox topics. Uh, criminal justice reform, because my husband is yes. top notch at some CJR. So I'm very passionate about those. Uh, what about you? So criminal justice, criminal justice reform is definitely a really big one for me. And more and more, especially after our last range event, Second Amendment, advocating yes. is also a very very big one obviously on top of education um i mean really there's so many uh oh am i wrong for judging my wife for putting ketchup on mac and cheese no you're no not you're not you're not wrong no my nephew's mom puts ketchup on everything including the, uh mashed potatoes weird my it's weird does that. it's a thing he really Matt's does. Matt said, what is your least and most favorite thing about me? Yeah, Kelsey, what's your least and most favorite thing about Matt? <laughs> <laughs> this is a trick question. White flag. I throw in, I throw in the towel. I'm good. I'm done. I think my favorite thing, um, in all honesty, is how passionate and driven you are. And no matter how tired you are, how sick you are, no matter if you are working until 6 p.m. after getting up at who knows what time to get ready for work, you still pour your heart out into it. Things that mean the most to you and you pour a lot into muddied waters. And I respect that very much about you. And um, I'm not going to answer the thing about what I like least about you because to be honest, I'm going to regret saying this because you're going to hold it against me later. Just remember but, that he records these. Yeah, I know. Well, if you think back to all the things that he's said on this podcast, um, I think that even anything that I would say that I don't like very much are also things that I actually do like very much. Actually, my least favorite thing is whenever you ask about my fantasies about killing strangers in public places or comments, because that's not a thing ever. Stop it. It's not a thing. Oh, Brian says he can help us get some more guests, like professors, authors, journalists. Yes. Brian for the win. Can we also thank Brian? Because he helped us pull this off. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It, he, this couldn't have, literally couldn't have happened without Brian's help. He was so willing to help us scheme against everyone else in Muddy Waters. Also, 
the Cajun Libertarian because he helped me figure out a lot of things with the restream. Oh, we have another question. Uh, Kenneth Ebel says, who is your favorite Libertarian and who... Who is your favorite libertarian who is no longer on this stage or the most influential? Can I just say Spike Cohen? Is that okay? You can say Spike Cohen. Because Spike Cohen is legitimately my favorite libertarian. Jason says clip it. Let's see. I feel this was the best subject for moms to handle since they are the ones closer to the kids' education challenges and wins on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Thank you. I'll take that. She doesn't like it because it's a thing. Oh, Brian says you're both very welcome. He's currently oh, yeah. on stage. <laughs> he is. He is literally on stage. What are you about? Well, He's right here. I feel... Yeah, what do you mean? He's on this stage. Yeah. This is this... Ow. This is the stage this he's on. This stage. This stage. I'm shocked my husband's not asking me questions right now. This is great. He's yeah. saving the rage. Oh, uh, didn't you want to bring up something about a game that Jason may have lost? Oh, you mean the fact that Jason, less superior beard, lion, indefinitely loses the game? Jason, not top fan, Lion. Not top fan. How does that feel to be a not top fan? Right? I'm driving. Does that make him a bottom fan? <laughs> I did. Oh, I needed him goodness. out of the house. Goodness. Well, I think that not only are we amazing for getting this started on time, but I think it would also be really cool if we ended it pretty pretty on target too wait we're not gonna go on a three-hour rant i mean we could i mean a very unplanned three-hour rant that we will then complain about afterwards because we're so hungry and tired right hmm and it'll be just a bunch of What's nonsense after like? two hours because i'm almost out of coffee do we do we start doing the weird asmr thing i don't want to do the whole weird no. asmr thing no, no, not at all. This is our show. Right. And that's probably like, what is happening? What did I do? And Jason. Anyway. No. This is not Muddy Waters. You're starting on time and ending on time. <laughs> Well, on that note, thank you all of you guys for being here and being so supportive and accepting of Kelsey and I managing to somehow pull off these incredible shenanigans. I appreciate you guys so, so, so much. Ooh, hold on one second. We have another oh, yes. question and I actually, I really Ooh. like this question. Okay. So how has libertarianism affected your parenting? Ooh. That is a very good question. Follow-up question. How many times has your children written taxation as theft and am I being <laughs> That is the best follow-up question ever. So you, you go first on this one. Oh, boy. Well, so <clears throat> it's funny because uh, my child actually had um, political ads coming up on um, her homework they were doing virtual 
And then they were talking about, it was actually at our social studies. And then they were talking about um, the constitution and they were talking about all these different things. And she would bring us her homework and she's like, mom, this says that taxes are good because they pay for schools and the roads and all these other things. And I went, sit down, baby, we're going to have a talk. And so now my child understands that most of the time when government gets involved, it's not a great thing and has turned that in on her homework assignments. And I've gotten those phone calls and I'm okay with it. And the teacher still gives her an A, so I'm okay. I think for me, it has empowered me more as a parent to not feel so quiet and afraid to speak up for my kids and advocate for them more, whether it's just as much as on the playground or at the schools or whenever you're walking through. And I feel like a lot of the times it's easy as a parent whenever your kid says something or does something that's maybe out of the norm or can just be perceived differently to some people, it can make you kind of automatically like shush them in a way. And so I think that it has been really empowering for me as a parent, be very vocal advocating for them more than I already would because I get very mama bear with my kids as it is, but especially even more so now. But I think that it has also enabled me to empower my kids more than anything and let them know that you are allowed to have different opinions from other people and that is completely okay. And also teach them that it's okay for other people to have very different opinions about things from you and you don't have to hate them for it. Everyone is allowed to have their own opinion and you don't have to understand it or like it in order to respect it. And I think that is a very important life lesson for kids to learn very, very early on. Yes. I mean, they need to learn that they can speak up, speak their mind as long as it's in a respectful manner. Right. And that there is many sides to a story, you know, what they're learning in school. Okay. Well, there's different sides or there's a different way of looking at that. Um, and that's, that's a whole conversation for another day on (laughs) school curriculums, but, um, you know, but also there, like you said, their interactions. Oh, Oh, Jason Lyon. Okay. Um, if it, you know, if in school they have a difference of opinion, I mean, they can share it with their friends and they're still friends at the end of the day and it doesn't matter. Right. Well, that's something that you and I even talked about is we had completely, since we had completely different homeschooling opinions, it was like, look, we, we really like each other still and we're not calling each other very aggressive names and getting banned on Facebook. Yeah. There's no way to be respectful in this world and have a difference of opinion and not just shove it down other people's throats and go, no, I'm right. Well, no, I mean, you're not, but that's okay. I still love you. (laughs) They can be right too. Cause everybody, I think the most important thing is when it comes to making those choices. And this is, again, this is another topic for another day because it comes down to any kind of individual choice. As long as you're being educated, you're making an educated decision to have whatever standpoint or make whatever choice you have that's what matters whatever that might look like so on that note Matt is very pleased that we ran late yay see I I had to do it there was a good question it was a good question it was worth it let the muddied waters flow through you (laughs)
Clubhouse party after. Oh, that means I have to download Clubhouse to my phone. I keep meaning to do that. Do it. On my way, I'm probably going to go to Low Tide after this. So on my way, I'll probably be on it. Yes. Sarah, this is a great show. This was a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun. And now, I mean, Matt said we could potentially have a take two. Yes, I feel like it should happen. So I think we should put a poll in the group afterwards and see who thinks that we should do a second show. I feel like this is a really good idea. I will go make the post as soon as this ends. Yes. And you can use our fabulous picture from before the show. Yes, that is what I will post in there. And you guys can see it. Lenny was in on it too. Which, by the way... He knew that this was happening when Brian asked him. So honestly, so many props to Lenny too yes. for being okay with it because we have not done this before. So I give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, this is our first podcast. And I, I it went well. So imagine how well we could do after like 10 or 15 Wait. Oh my gosh, this is perfect. Yes, we're getting all the hugs in the comments. <laughs> all right, I let's love it. join the clubhouse after party. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much. Oh, and I guess in true Muddied Waters media fashion, where we're going, <laughs> you don't need robes. <laughs>